Hi and Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to the Circle of Ilm podcast where we share Islamic knowledge that caters to anyone and everyone. Through this podcast, you will learn anything and everything about Islam from the basics to the advanced. There will be something for everyone, inshallah. I am Ustazah Nur Hidayah and you are now listening to Fiqh for Sisters. Alright, so today we are looking at fiqh and its presence in today's world. And Alhamdulillah, for the past episodes, we have went through sort of the evolution of fiqh, especially, you know, what fiqh was like back then, during the time of the Prophet wasallam, And then we went through the time of the companions, how the fiqh kind of evolves from there as Islam continued to spread. And after the passing of the Prophet wasallam, and moving forward, we also went through fiqh in the times of the pious predecessors where we talked about, you know, the different school of thoughts and how, you know, fiqh actually evolved from there. So if you have not, tuning into the past episodes or you are interested to find out more on those matters feel free to tune into the episodes before today's because as for today we're just focusing on how fiqh is right now in today's world and you know as we all know of course it is totally different as compared to the times before especially during the time of the prophet wasallam. because today we don't have rasulullah uh, we don't have the companions and even the earliest scholars are no longer here today and with regards to today's context and the complexity complexity of today's situation and today's challenges you know we are faced with a lot of matters at hand especially with regards to fiqh, right? Although there are some things in which that they are not clearly stated, but the concepts are all there, right? But there are new and evolving challenges that continues to happen, that continues to exist. And this is exactly where, you know, as Muslims, as believers, uh, as seekers of knowledge, we need to continuously be aware of what is happening around us and also continue to learn so that we are able to face such challenges or such situations confidently as the confident modern Muslims that we are, inshallah. Now, with regards to fiqh and its presence in today's world, one of the things that we see today, right, is the matter of ikhtilaf in our society. Okay, ikhtilaf basically means the differences of opinions, especially when a certain thing arises. Okay, and if you should know, all right, Islam is actually interpreted for the everyday Muslim by our scholars. So our scholars are here to guide us, to provide us with a certain form of guideline or a certain form of directive so that we are able to go through or go around a certain uh, fiqh challenge or a certain fiqh issue. Of course. As we all know by now, Muslims, you know, we all consider the Quran as the basic source of the knowledge, right? And our number one references with regards to our, you know, guide to life and our religious perspectives. And alongside the Quran, we also have the hadiths, right? I.e. the narrations or the sayings of the Prophet wasallam, which are the guidelines for us to practice Islam. As I mentioned, you know, about the scholars, right? These Muslim scholars and these um, 
or, or you can say ulama, right? They are considered to be authorities on Islam, but they do not formulate any new doctrines. So, you know, fake challenges will continue to arise and different issues will continue to surface. But the thing that we need to note is that the doctrines are still the same. Right, the doctrines will still be the same as compared to the time of the Prophet وسلم, the companions as well as the time of the pious predecessors. Right, but however the issues are attended to, then that will be based on the context of that particular era or that particular year for that particular situation. As you know, these Muslim scholars or these ulama, you know, they continue to address you know a lot of new arising issues in the community we will find that they are bound to have you know, differences in terms of opinions and in terms of approach with regards to a certain matter. And these differences may exist among various scholars and various ulamas. And usually the basis of such differences is primarily a difference of a few things, right? Number one, it will be in the interpretation of the directives of the Sharia, how you know the Sharia and the Islamic law has been set, but however they interpret and however they understand it will be a little bit different from one to the other. Secondly, it will be that of any events from which any rules of the Sharia may be derived. So it could be that it is based on the same guideline that has been placed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and has been you know, transmitted through Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But maybe their approach is different because of the situation or the issues that they are handling. And the third one will be um, the primary difference in terms of the methods that may be adopted for the practical resolution. And as we all know in today's world, you know, alhamdulillah, we have a lot of advancement. We have uh, a lot of access to technology, to information, to the internet. So not only that it's easier to maneuver through such issues, but it gives us a larger perspective. And we are able to see things in different, different viewpoints because we have access to a lot of the knowledge and technology of today, right? As compared to the times before, whereby they would just based off the knowledge that they have, their own perspectives with regards to their experiences. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran where he says, And cooperate in righteousness and piety, but do not cooperate in sin and aggression and fear Allah, indeed Allah is severe in penalty. So in this particular verse, we see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights the importance of ta'awun, right? The importance of cooperation. And cooperation is very important because, you know, as I mentioned, we may have to face a lot of differences and especially when we want to come up with a certain guideline, you know, for the community, with regards to certain issues, you know, different people will come with different experiences and different levels of knowledge and not to forget, you know, different backgrounds. So the approach may be different to different groups of people, right? But Allah says, and Allah reminds us to practice cooperation and ensure that whatever thing that you wish to cooperate in, it has to be something that is righteous and it, is something that will promote piety. Because yes, we understand that these matters, you know, are handled by our scholars, by the ulama, you know, people who are at the higher stature, you know, with regards to their knowledge and their wisdom. But however, that 
comes about, it will, you know, in fact, affects the community at large, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also reminds us in this particular verse that if a matter involves sins, involves aggressions, involves something that does not, you know, benefit the community, or maybe it is something, you know, that is against that which is taught by our religion, then of course, that is the matter that we need not, you know, practice ta'awun or practice cooperation because we want to work towards, you know, cooperating towards what is good, towards what is right. And at the end of the day, you know, when this, uh, different formulations of solutions for the issues that we have today. It is solely for the community. It is solely for the society. And it is solely for the benefit of the people, you know, the everyday Muslim, for them to continue to live their lives in peace, knowing that they have a certain form of guideline for Islam from their, you know, scholars or from their religious leaders. Okay. Hence, it is in the culture. Right, of our scholars in our ummah, in our community or in our society to declare the impermissibility of condemnation in areas where these scholars disagree with one another. The method of condemning is something that you know we don't want to practice, you know, be it at a higher level or be it at our own level or be it at the lower level, because condemning will not settle an issue. You know, it does not bring a solution. And likewise complaining, right? If we continue to complain, if we continue to uh condemn and we continue to say a lot of things, but not putting in the effort to help find a form of solution, then what benefit does it bring? Right? Because at the end of the day, when we are faced with an issue, when we have a problem, we want solutions to it. And the best way to go around it and to go about it is to help the people you know, be part of it. If you have a certain knowledge or experience, you provide, right? you support so that you can help to find a form of solution and not in return, you know, creating another set of issue or another set of struggle that needs to be attended to in the long run. Okay, now... Speaking about, you know, our context here, speaking about uh, specifically the Singapore context, okay? If you are tuning in and if you come from, you know, different parts of the world, then of course, yeah, continue to listen through. But I hope that you can always revert back to um, the context of your own countries, inshallah, and the guidelines that has been provided by your scholars or your ulamas or your religious leaders, inshallah. Now, uh, specifically, you know, for the common issues that we have here in Singapore, uh, the we need to understand that the body of the Islamic knowledge is quite extensive, right? And um, the only areas in which new additions to Islamic law can be made are those involving an unexpected issue that confronts the Muslim community, okay? For example, you know, we have a lot of issues regarding, uh, you know, for example, over freezing, um, about organ transplantation. You know, back then, uh, during the time of the companions, perhaps, or during the time of the Prophet Sallallahu they there might not be such things because uh, back then, there were no advancements of technology, uh, as I mentioned earlier, right? So apart from that, you know, we have things like test tube babies. Uh, we have, you know, the whole conversation about the suicide and euthanasia. Uh, and then we have things like LGBT, um, FGM and so on. So there are, you know, a lot of um, issues, you know, unexpected issues that continues to arise. So when these matters happen, right, of course, uh, you know, the people who have the authority uh, with regards to the Islamic law 
or the legislation of law at that particular place or at that particular country, they have the permissibility, right, to come up with new additions to the Islamic law so as to help the community to attend to such issues, right? And, you know, if we talk about uh, organ transplantation, you know, we talk about over-freezing test tube babies and all of these things, right? These are the things that happens in the everyday life of a Muslim. We understand that Islam is the way of life. We understand that, however, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided, you know, these guidelines to Islam, to the Quran, to the Hadith. It is supposed to help us, you know, to live a better life, you know, a further enhanced life. So this is where we go on to the next point, you know, about fatwa. For the Singaporean community, uh, we have the Office of the Mufti, uh, which acts as the Secretariat of the Fatwa Committee. And as Secretariat, the Office of the Mufti, they will you know, collate necessary references and information to be distributed to the Fatwa Committee, especially those on emerging issues. But in most countries where there are you know Muslim communities and Muslim populations, they would also have, you know, their their own fatwa team, their own legislative team, their own secretariat team to help them to attend to different um issues at hand. Right? Although there are some issues uh, that different countries would refer to certain other countries as a form of guideline, but they will always come back to the context of their country and contextualize based on uh, the people in their own countries or in their own hometown. Okay, now some of you might be thinking, what is fatwa? The fatwa is the Islamic legal ruling and it is actually an important element in the life of the Muslims. Okay, a recognized religious authority which issues fatwa in the community, they, they are the people who has that authority to issue such fatwas, to issue such matters. And it is not necessarily binding on the faithful. So the people who pronounce these rulings are supposed to be knowledgeable. You know, they need to be knowledgeable. And they would need to base their rulings in knowledge and in wisdom. They would need to supply the evidence from Islamic sources for their opinions. And of course, you know, references are also made to the experts from different fields related to the problem at hand. And, you know, the development of science and technology and the realities of life in the dynamic society, um, like the society that we have in Singapore or in your own countries, has, of course, raised new questions which require solutions through fatwa. So, as you can see here, it's not just about coming out with certain rulings just to solve an issue, but the fatwa committee, you know, the people who are involved in coming out with a certain set of rulings or guidelines for the community, um, not only that they need to be knowledgeable, but they have to refer to the experts in the field so that they get access to understanding with regards to the matter at hand. And one of the recent, you know, issues of fatwa that has been brought up uh, in the past few years was about the milk bank issue, right? And some of the concerns at that point of time was, oh, okay, if I were to take up this service of the milk bank, you know, for my child or for my infant or for my baby, then there are a lot of concerns for Muslims. This would involve, you know, issues like mahramiyah, you know, when uh, a mother, you know, feeds her child, right? Although it's um, breast milk, but it is also, you know, packed with nutrition and um, it is also indirectly part of the mother, right? And when a baby continues to consume, the milk of a mother, then uh, they can be considered as their child, 
right? Especially if the mother is not a biological person who gave birth to the baby, right? So a lot of issues arise with regards to this matter. Of course, you know, this matter has been brought into the office of the Mufti and then they had, you know, their own discussions and they actually had experts to refer to with regards to how this production of the milk bank comes along and its processes to understand, you know, how the milk is given to the babies and to which extent, you know, when the milk is given to the babies, they are considered as mahramiya uh, or they are not considered as mahramiya. So a lot of the research was placed in and um, there were a lot of considerations with regards to the matter as well as taking note of the implications that they might have. And, you know, if you were to refer to, for example, websites like um, the, the Fatwa website by Mu'is in Singapore, you will see how they would break down that issue and you will see clearly how these issues will not, you know, bring a long-term effect based on the concerns which has been raised by the people and how, you know, it will not affect in terms of the mahramiya and, you know, there were questions about uncertainty and, you know, okay, if, you know, we talk about milk bank, you know, we will not know this milk will come from which mother because, different babies will be getting different uh, portions, which is very, very, very small amounts of the milk from different donors of the milk. Even, you know, to the detail of the methods of feeding was considered. And, you know, one of the things that I really love about this formation of the fatwa, particularly for this issue, is that they really, you know, focused on the needs, you know, of these premature babies to be breastfed so that they have a better chance to develop and grow. And with that particular view, you know, they see this uh, milk bank matter as a need for such, you know, uh, premature babies. Because um, at the end of the day, they will go back to the objectives of the Sharia or the Maqasid Sharia, which has to be in line, right? Yes, there are a lot of issues at hand that we need to consider, but amongst others, we need to emphasize the need for the preservation of the human life. And when we talk about premature babies, you know, they are in need of such nutrition, they need such inputs. And sometimes, you know, mothers at that stage, they might not be able to breastfeed their child, right? So what about the life of their child? So these are the things that, you know, we need to see whether it involves harm, we need to see whether it involves the lives of people. But, you know, issues will continue to arise. Uh, challenges will continue to evolve. And that is just normal because life is just evolving, right? When human intellect continues to evolve, our access to information continues to heighten. Of course, challenges will continue to arise as well. If there is one thing, one important thing that we really need to take note is that we need to refer back to those who are knowledgeable, those who have the authority on such matters and, you know, wait out for some form of guidelines, some form of advice, some form of, you know, if need, fatwa, right? For us to ensure that whatever thing that we are doing with regards to the issue is something that is right. At the end of the day, we have such authorities, we have such bodies to refer to, and it is best that we we refer to them before we come up with some form of conclusion on our own. Because at the end of the day, with whatever knowledge and experience that we have, it might not be sufficient enough for us to look through the particular issue and finding a solution with wisdom, inshallah. 
Alright? So, yeah, some food for thought, some things for us to consider. And, you know, mashallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ease all of our affairs. Especially when we are faced with a lot of challenges in today's world. You know, may Allah always guide us to what is best and to what is right. And may we continue to have the courage to refer back to those who are able to advise us on the issues at hand, inshallah. Alright? So before we end today's episode, let us end with the dua. Okay, maybe we can recite together. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma inni as'aluka ilman nafi'an warizqan tayyiban wa amalan mutaqabbalan which means, Oh Allah, I ask you for beneficial knowledge, goodly provision, and acceptable deeds. Inshallah. Amin ya Rabbal. And that concludes today's episode. Tune in again next week, same time, same place, same me for the continuation of today's episode. Don't forget to follow our channel so that you'll be notified when a new episode drops. Do follow us on our social media platforms at Circle of Ilm for updates on future episodes and other topics. We would love for you to share and tag us as well if you have learned something from today's episode, inshallah. With that, thank you. And see you next week, inshallah. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.